Well, 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 and well, well, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Protestant Ethic Podcast. I am excited that you have uh, allowed yourself to stop by and just join in with me just briefly. I want to share, you know, some information with you. This is a very exciting time. Uh, We are experiencing uh, the decline or we are on the decline side of the COVID virus. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm excited that we have entered into our Easter holiday season. And of course, for certain people who have a strong Christocentric background uh, and strong uh, Christian beliefs, uh, many of them call this the Easter season. Some people call call it uh, the resurrection period. And so we are... Uh, uh, you know, just embracing the moment, embracing the holiday and embracing the season that we are in. And I think that it's uh, extremely uh, uh, timely to, uh, you know, share the life of an individual who I think probably had uh, a strong uh, impact on the lives of Christians everywhere, you know, more or less in the same sense as the Apostle Paul. And the person that I am speaking of is one example that we have throughout history. You know, we have great theologians throughout our history, you know, uh, dating all the way back to St. Augustine. But uh, looking at the life of St. Ignatius Loyola, uh, he, that individual has really uh, impacted me and my, uh, my views toward the belief that I strongly hold dear, which is the Christian religion. And so I want to talk about him because he had such a impact on our lives. And this being the Easter season, the the period that we commemorate, I think it was very timely to focus on an individual who devoted his life for the cause of Christ, right? And has really made an impact uh, not only in the uh, areas of academia, but also in just the areas of Christ- people's uh, uh, normal way of living uh, in the practices that we embrace to bring us closer to uh, uh, the God that we worship in our Christian belief uh, practices, more particularly those that embrace the Christian religion, being that this is the season to commemorate the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as Christians believe, as written in the Bible. So, uh, you know, I want to kind of dive in and talk about a few things. Uh, I I would like to talk about, you know, the life of Ignatius Loyola. I would like to describe, you know, the mission of the Jesuits, you know, that he uh, brought into existence. I want to talk about the mission of the Jesuits through uh, Pope uh, Paul III, you know, in the 16th century, you know, he had a strong impact on, you know, them and them peppering the land, if you will. Uh, I also want to kind of discuss the present day mission of the Jesuit order uh, and, and kind of look at uh, Ignatian's, uh, Ignatius's protocol as it relates to education. So his educational philosophy as it relates to uh, Ignatian uh uh, pedagogy, if you will, very significant, and I think it's very timely as we focus in uh, and look for directionality. You know, as we move forward, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we are on the. Hopefully, we are seeing a decline uh, in the uh, the spreading of the COVID virus, and I know that the reports in the media have 
stated that we're seeing an increase in people with the COVID virus, but that is not because of the spread of the COVID virus, particularly. It is because people are becoming more relaxed around the dynamic that had always existed and began to become uh, uh, placed on a downward trend. Uh, again, we're seeing people look at the rules of relaxing their masks and taking that lightly. And you're seeing people relaxing the wearing of the masks. And that's contributing to the, the, the spike that we see in people picking up uh, the virus or uh, contracting the virus. We're also hearing that there are reports saying that we could relax the social distancing aspect from six feet to now three feet. You know, these are all uh, signs that show that many people have taken a relaxed interest toward the COVID virus. And, uh, you know, with that short-sighted view, we are dealing with the ramifications of that that positionality, right? And we're seeing people, we're seeing people, uh, more and more people contract the virus as a result of relaxing their standards as it relates to what we should be doing with the virus. And so, you know, there have we really learned our lesson? That's the question. Have we really learned the lesson of preventing the spread and knowing how to curtail uh, the the metastasization of uh, the COVID virus, if you will, that's just spreading like a cancer throughout our land? And I think that when we look at learning, uh, looking at uh, uh, Ignatius Loyola's uh processes of learning you know his 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 protocol toward learning in terms of uh his his pedagogical plan toward learning how the learning process takes place looking at his objectives i think that if we embrace that learning style uh i personally believe that that it would embed within us the uh, the deeper understanding that we need to embrace uh, that would cause us, right? It would cause us to be uh, cognizant uh, that uh, we have not, we, we we have not graduated from this coronavirus as of yet. We still have a long ways to go to 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 bring this COVID uh, spread under control, and so that needs to be an understanding. That needs to be, you know, that that needs to take place in the figment of every person's imagination so that they know that regardless of who recommends relaxing rules at this point in time, that at, look, this is not the time to really relax. This is the actual time to hunker down and take a more serious approach so that we can, you know, wrap our arms around, you know, the, the deadly spread of this virus that's killing people in such mass, massive numbers. And so again, um, I, you know, I personally have been impacted by the life of Ignatius Loyola. And I think when we look at his life and we kind of summarize his life, we see quite a few things from his lifestyle. You know, when we look at, you know, just his 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 birth, when we look at uh, how he was raised, when we recognize that he lost his mother at a young age, when we also notice that he lost his father at a at a young age and and he began to find himself in uh, uh, circumstances, situations that have been considered reckless by some people. You know, some people would uh, attribute 
most of his early uh, uh, riffs that he uh, and scuffles that he, uh, you know, got into with the law and what have you, you, you know, some people attribute that to the fact that, you know, he did lose his mom. He did lose his dad, you know, at an early age. And he, you know, had to uh, kind of adjust, you know, in the same way that we see people, you know, in today's time, you know, the, the, the sociological impact that we see on people's lives as it relates to their family life and the experiences that they go through has not changed. The times have changed, but the principles still remain the same. And regardless of whether you come from, you know, uh, an upper upper class background, a middle class background, a working class background or 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 an underclass background, you know, you still have to deal with the fact that you've lost your parents and you have to you have to find a way to cope with society, cope with life, regardless of the background that you come from. You know, Emil Durkheim, you know, talked about social integration and how some people are more likely to commit suicide based on uh, the type of social uh, connectivity they have with other individuals. And uh, uh, the suicide rate is much higher in certain locations because some people just don't have the connectivity, you know, to others. Uh, well, this is also a dynamic when, you know, people lose important, uh, uh, important individuals within their lives, important uh, uh, key people that have been a part of their life, uh, whether it be a mother, whether it be their father, whether it be, you know, a significant figure. And when they're left alone and have to deal with, you know, life by themselves, that can be very daunting. It can be extremely challenging. And those types of individuals, uh, if they don't have the right type of support system, you know, you can see you can see the deleterious effects that it would have on their life coming up in those types of circumstances. And so when we look at St. Uh, Ignatius's early childhood, he experienced, uh, you know, the loss of his mom, the loss of his father. Um, uh, but somehow or another, he kind of uh, was able, you know, to move into certain areas of life. Um, you know, he learned uh, military uh, style uh, uh, tactics. He became a strong soldier. He became a, a courtier. You know, he became all of these things. And within that, and and within that, he started to develop himself in that uh, construct. Uh, you know, he had a lifestyle of understanding how to survive on the battlefield until. You know, during one battle, he was hit by a cannon and, and unfortunately suffered almost the dismembership of his leg. And, you know, you know, he was able to, you know, survive that deadly uh, uh, blow. He was able to the, the doctors were able to save his legs. You know, he was extremely fastidious about, uh, you know, how he looked, how he carried himself, how he appeared to people. And, you know, some manuscripts say that he spent uh, his life savings just to make sure that he was able to not only not only walk again, but look good while he did it. You know, he was really into himself in that way. But, uh, you know, having said that, I'm pointing out that he had a drive. He had an ambition to 
to to to move beyond you know certain barriers that he experienced and i think that looking at th- those components really point toward what was within him that drove him to even use those components in his spirituality in his spiritual growth uh um you know as you read uh, other manuscripts and and other documents about saint ignatius Loyola, you also notice that while he was trying to uh, be be nursed back to a healing state where he could, you know, walk again, you know, he was looking for t- certain types of literature, but did not have it. The only type of literature that was present was literature that described behavioral patterns of the early Christian church, the early saints, you know, uh, many of the disciples and their lifestyle in certain uh, aspects of their life that he had to read because there was nothing else, you know, to read. And so through this reading of these manuscripts, you know, it uh, impacted his life. You know, this impacted his life, just the stories that he read, the lessons that he read, you know, how he embraced those stories, you know, impacted his life in such a strong way, you know, almost to the point that well, actually, not not even almost to the point, but to the point that his life uh, changed, his entire life changed based on, uh, you know, the 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 way, you know, those scriptural texts resonated with his life, the way, you know, the anthologies of how the early Christian church and some of the individuals in the early Christian church begin to live. Now, of course, in St. Augustine's time, this is, this is, you know, in the 16th century, but he was reading about the early church and many of the early uh, 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 leaders of the church that have lived or had lived and, and had died and moved uh, on, you know, he was greatly impacted by their life and lifestyle. And of course, you know, as a result of these types of things, he became a strong uh, yet staunch follower of Jesus Christ. You know, he was deeply impacted by the way they lived. And of course, um, after he, you know, came out of or after he had uh, been nursed back to a healthy condition to where he can now move around and move about, he decided to, you know, embark upon, uh, you know, the, 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 the teaching in the lifestyle of living after the uh, the, the the great prophet or the great savior, Jesus Christ, right? And so these types of things uh, impressed him. You know, he was really deeply moved by uh, these types of images, you know. Um, you know, he had a major conversion in his life as a result of that bedridden state. You know, he, uh, during this bedridden state, he began to read, like I said, uh, read certain uh, uh, books, you know, certain, uh, types of, uh, 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 certain types of, uh, books that describe, you know, how, uh, you know, many of the Christians, many of the early saints had lived, right? And so two saints in particular that cultivated his imagination was, uh, St. Francis, uh, uh, number one, and then also, uh, you know, St. Dominique, you know, these individuals, you know, are, were with him. Uh, these two individuals, 
pretty much uh, was there as they converted and turned their backs on the worldly glory and, and, and they began to serve God in the church alone. You know, these types of things really influenced their life. So their influence of the life of Jesus Christ would come uh, to have a great impact on their uh, meditations, on the way that they focused. And of course, this all formed, right? This this formed uh, what St. Ignatius started to describe as the spiritual exercises. You know, these spiritual exercises, these spiritual exercises uh, not only impacted his life, but he began to teach these exercises to other individuals that uh, found themselves as co-partners and co-laborers along with him. He taught, you know, uh, individuals how to embark in these exercises, right? And these exercises would definitely be a key figure uh, to him. So when we look at, you know, just some of the things that, you know, he had to experience in his life, you know, these are very poignant examples uh, that describe uh, in colorful ways, might I add, these are very strong examples that that describe, you know, his life, uh, uh, you know, coming through those types of situations, he began to form this society, this this order of followership, this following of Jesus Christ. Of course, now when we look at this order now, when we look at this order now, uh, we, we look at this from uh, the standpoint of a society. So it was a society of Jesus, also known as the Jesuit society. You know, this is what he began you know, through this this transformation, through this transformation, you know, some of his partners and co-laborers, like like I mentioned, uh, St. Francis Xavier, St. Uh, uh, and, and other individuals that were there that were present. You know, these individuals help him, helped him, if you will, start this society of Jesus, um, uh, this this Jesuit society. When we look at the term uh, ad mehorum de gloriam. Okay, go forth and set the world on fire. This Latin term, ad mahorum de gloriam. Uh, you would see it by the initials AMDG. Okay, this is Latin for go forth and set the world on fire. You know, this is this is the passion that these individuals had, which is which is very important and extremely significant. Like now, when we look at when, when we look at just the overall existence, the overall existence of the Christian faith today, this is the year 2021. And when we look at the existence of Christianity, uh, when we take Christendom from, from, from the birth of Jesus Christ and look at the birth of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, uh, from some people might say, 4 AD, some people might say 4 BC, some people might say 7 BC, whatever the case may be. But when we look at the birth of Jesus Christ and follow his life until his death, 33 AD, some people believe, some people believe it's a later time. You know, again, we don't have to focus on the exact timing, but we can focus on the fact that he did come into this world we can pick, focus on the fact that he did live in this world. And then we also can focus on the fact that he did die, right? And then the scriptures point out that he, he, he had this resurrection 
And he continued to live. And I think some parts of the synoptic gospels point to the fact that uh, uh, that after the death that many of his disciples saw him in his resurrected state. And and from this, they began this 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 Christocentric uh, uh, lifestyle, living a lifestyle patterned after the lifestyle and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And of course, we all know the story, uh, the birthplace of Christianity uh, began, what was it? I believe it was in uh, the, the church at Antioch. I think it was started by Paul and Paul recognized that people were calling them in a derogatory way. They were calling them Christians and Paul suggested, well, listen, since we are trying to be like Christ, we might as well take on that name, Christians. And so they that that is how and where the name Christians come from. But when we look at that and we recognize that there is a, a period of time that existed, right, uh, after the death of Jesus Christ until today, 2021, you know, we see that this individual, Jesus Christ, had to be a very powerful, uh, he had to be a, a, a strong individual that centered uh, the attention so much to the point that centuries have passed, but yet we are still, we are, we are still underscoring the teachings, the life, the legacy of this Jesus Christ. You know, when we look at that, that is a powerful, powerful statement. And when you recognize that this this individual, Saint Ignatius Loyola, had been so deeply impacted that his life had been transformed, transformed in the same way, mind you, in the 16th century, that many of these individuals' lives were transformed in the first century, that shows how powerful this influence of Jesus, this lifestyle of Jesus Christ, had deeply set into the land, just overall, in general. Now, you don't have to be religious to recognize that. You you can recognize that point, and you can be as atheist as they come, but you cannot, This that is not a polemical uh, 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 point to be raised that his life was so uh, impactful that 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 through his life people continues to this day to want to live and pattern their lives after this individual. That is the impact that uh, uh, Christianity had on Saint Ignatius, right, Loyola. That is the impact that it had on him, and it and it, and it moved him in such a profound way that he started this 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 society of Jesus or this Jesuit society out of the Catholic Church, right? Out of the Catholic Church. So again, you know, he was deeply moved, he was deeply impacted and and when we look at these initials, um AMDG, this 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 is the acronym for Ad Mehorum De Gloriam, which means go forth and set the world on fire. This was their mission to go out and set the world ablaze, set the world on fire about the life, the legacy of Jesus Christ, recognizing that this man came, recognizing that this man lived, recognizing that this man died. And of course, recognizing again that this man is believed to have been resurrected. Right. And and at this point in time, the, the teachings that he the teachings that Jesus taught 
and through us embracing those teachings can bring this world into a better place, right? So that that was, you know, overall, you know, when, when you look at this Latin phrase, this Latin term uh, 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 that describes the society of Jesus or that describes the Jesuit mission, if you will, uh, it is a very powerful and it is also a very poignant mission, right? Uh, the Pope recognized this fire at that point in time. So it was Pope Paul III. This was in the 16th century, of course. He recognized how powerful and the zeal that these individuals had. And so he, he as a, it, you know, there was a lot of uh, turmoil in the land at that time as well. But uh, to save them from the turmoil, he sort of deputized them and allowed them to go out and kind of spread, uh, you know, their belief practices and what have you in different areas. And of course, uh, St. Uh, Ignatius Loyola uh, being the, uh, you can call it the, 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 the head of this uh, Jesuit order, this, this, this society of Jesus, you know, he sent different ones to different parts uh, of the geographic location of the time, right? He sent some to this place. He sent some to other places far and near so that they can start their own specific works of the Jesuit order. And at that time in the 12th century, it had a deep or 16th century. I'm sorry. At that time in the 16th century, it had a deep impact uh, then and it still have proliferated uh, uh, to the point that we see the the Jesuit order, uh, you know, ubiquitously placed throughout the world, okay? Not only do you have it in other uh, areas or other geographic locations, but you have it right here. You even have institutions that uh, that have Jesuit programs. And I am proud, I am, I am proud to say that I attend St. Peter's University and that they are a Jesuit. It is a Jesuit university. I am proud to say that. Like I brag on, I'm not Catholic, but I'm still proud of the fact that we are a Jesuit university. I am proud of the fact that we embrace these ideals, you know, of the Jesuit university. So, so these are some powerful uh, components that we recognize. And I think that it is important uh, that we see the impact of one's life uh, to be so uh, so motivated through the life of Jesus Christ that it has given him the impetus to start this Jesuit order. But in like form, right, you can compare the zeal that individuals felt from Christ and you can look at the juxtaposition of that zeal as those were compared to Jesus Christ and compare the zeal of those that were influenced by St. Not- Saint Ignatius Loyola to in the 16th century, that same zeal that was found in Jesus Christ is the same zeal that many individuals, many believers, many followers found in St. Ignatius Loyola and, and, and continue to push that, uh, uh, push that, that overall message of Christ because of his example, right? So I think if anybody needs to receive accolades for being followers of Christ, it should be one of the ones on the top of the list definitely needs to be Saint Ignatius Loyola. You know, he certainly stands uh, uh, in 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 the top five, I would say, of those individuals 
who patterned the life of Jesus Christ so much that uh, the example of Jesus is also seen in the example of St. Ignatius Loyola. So these are some very powerful components. Uh, I think one of the major things that I gained from uh, St. Ignatius Loyola is his educational view, right? I think looking at his educational view uh, and just what he thought, what he believed about education is extremely powerful. You know, uh, he had a view that uh, that that focused on, uh, you know, learning and the learning component. So we talked early about the spiritual exercises and we explained that, uh, you know, he had these spiritual exercises that he used to 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 show people uh, or to teach people not only the Gospels, but also to, to put them in a position where they can really understand, right? So he was really after understanding, he was really after getting them to, to know uh, what this Christ, what this lifestyle of Christ was, right? Uh, he, and, and, and he wanted to show this in two ways. So number one, he wanted to show that finding God in all things was possible and that you can find God. Now, these are th- lessons that he taught within his spiritual exercises. Uh, one, f- being able to find God in all things, right? You should be able to find God in everything that you do, whether it be your relationship. You should be able to find God in your relationships, your spouses, your friends. You should be able to find God in the sunset. You should be able to find God uh, through a good meal, you know? Uh, you should be able to find God in the positive as well as the negative. In other words, you should be able to actively find God in all things. You know, that's that's one of the things he wanted to uh, put forth. But also, he believed that uh, that there is a contemplative uh, action as well. In other words, meditating while looking at reality uh, in the active world is possible. You should be able to meditate, right? You should be able to meditate while looking at reality um, in an active world, right? In other words, one can have a contemplative stance while also having an active life. Right. You should be able to have a lifestyle, um, uh, but also you should be able to just be able to contemplate, meditate and and gain some understanding. So what does one of these exercises look like? So he would put uh, his followers or his students, if you want to call it that, he would put them uh, in uh, in in these little areas where they could you know, take on. You could call it the class setting or whatever the case may be. But in these settings, he would have them meditate. And so he might have caused, he, he might have asked them to, okay, let's talk about uh, the feeding of the 5,000, right? And he would have them close their eyes and meditate and put themselves in the situation, right? Put yourself in the situation. So you have to meditate to the point that you place yourself uh, you focus and you place yourself within the storyline, right? So you place yourself in the storyline of the feeding of the 5,000. So you might picture yourself um, uh, there on the mountainside, you know, sitting in the grassy areas. You might picture yourself recognizing how hungry you are. You might picture yourself hearing the complaints. You might feel the 
the, the intense heating of the sun. You might feel the intense pressure of the hunger pangs that you might have. You might hear the complaints from many of the individuals around. You might even feel uh, the angst and the irritation of uh, recognizing that there is no food. Uh, you might recognize the little boy that have two fish and five loaves of bread. Like you can put yourself into the situation and you can begin to imagine while meditating what it may have felt like. And then you watch and, and understand how the story transpires when you recognize that Jesus takes the two fish, the five loaves of bread, and he begins to impart that to each individuals to the point that there is no more uh, hunger remaining, right? He breaks the bread, he breaks the fish or whatever the case may be. And he feeds these individuals, these 5,000 individuals with these two fish and five loads of bread. And, uh, and uh, he, 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 he causes the situation uh, to change instantaneously through this great miracle, right? So this exercise, this contemplative exercise, this meditative act uh, places one in the situation, right? And from the meditative uh, components, one now learns not only the lesson, but you also learn the character of Jesus Christ. You learn uh, the way in which he moved, the way in which certain aspects have transpired through uh, through placing yourself in the situation. Now, of course, of course, this follows a learning theory that we use today as educators called situation learning, situated learning theory. Of course, situated learning theory also postulates that learning takes place, the process of learning takes place in the context of a situation, right? There's always context within content and you have to uh, put yourself within you, you learning takes place in the situated context of the content that takes place. So, you know, this is uh, uh, this is a component that St. Ignatius really picks up on. And he recognizes that individuals are really able, right, to learn in this way. And, you know, that kind of underscores the Ignatian pedagogy, right, that uh, when we look at learning, when we look at how we learn, learning uh, takes place in these particular constructs and individuals have to place themselves within, right? They have to place themselves within the situation so that so that the learning process does take place. How does that happen? It, well, it happens, you know, as individuals go through these learning exercises, when these, these meditative components, you know, uh, they happen when individuals find themselves able to understand and adjust. They find themselves in these types of situations. So even when I look at, right, when I look at uh, how the overall uh, component of uh, situated learning happens or how it takes place, you know, I am enamored by how uh, uh, I would say St. Ignatius was ahead of his time, right? He was ahead of his time in looking at how these types of, these types of dynamics kind of took place. Right. And this is very important to realize. It's very important to understand that, you know, learning takes place. There is there there is content that we have. OK. And then uh, within that content, you also have other components that also uh, are present. 
So I, I don't understand why people can say or people would make the comment that I, I just could not learn. You know, I, I didn't understand the material or I didn't understand what the teacher was trying to teach. You know, sometimes it's the learning style. Sometimes it's the learning modules, mod, models that uh, teachers are using to kind of teach certain lessons. And so looking at his life, though, and looking at what he kind of put forth, you know, it's very easy to understand that people were able to uh, pick up on his teaching methods. And so these are definitely some strong strong components to his life. They're strong components to the way that he taught. And I think it's very interesting. Uh, first and foremost, I think it's very interesting as as leaders. Uh, and I also think it's interesting as, um, I think it's interesting as, as teachers, right? Uh, that we recognize these learning styles, right? These learning components that come with, 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 with with how he taught, you know, there's there's five different ways that he believed that uh, uh, learning kind of takes place within this within this pedagogy, right? Like I said, you, there there's always context, but in the context, uh, even with situated learning, there is experience, right? So you have context, then you have experience, but within that experience, after the experience is over, you still have to you reflect on that experience. Right. And then and then there is a so what action. Right. There is a that. So now that we know now that we know the content, now that we know the context, now that we have experience and now that we have reflected on that experience. Now what? Now what are we going to do about what we know? So within the pedagogy, there is always a, 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 a decision that needs to be made and an action that needs to take place. So now that we have understood what are our motions forward, what is our movement forward? And then finally, we have an evaluation phase, right? Where we evaluate everything we do. And, and then the cycle starts over again, right? So these are strong components to the pedagogy that uh, he kind of put forth and and we can see how that you know kind of changed the world we can see how that influence kind of changed the world we can we can see how he took uh individuals who came from uh spartan environments or came from backgrounds that were not as praiseworthy like there there's stories of him taking prostitutes and allowing prostitutes come in to learn in these spiritual exercises so that they have an understanding of how to live. In one particular in one particular uh description he identifies uh uh focusing on the angels that one that one would 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 focus on that one would have, right? The angels and focus on which angels were positive and which angel your better angels that were positive and your better angels that were negative, right? And being able to differentiate between the two. Like he really went in depth in this meditative component. And I think when we look at that, right, it it does give us deeper understanding as to why and as to how people's lives through these spiritual exercises uh, learned not only about Christ, but they also learned how they can apply those lessons from Jesus Christ to their lives through the pedagogy of St. Ignatius Loyola. So I think right now, right now, as we 
you know, kind of focus on the holiday season, as we focus on um, what this holiday means. Uh, this holiday is focusing on the, uh, the, the resurrected existence of an influence, right? An influence, is, an influence that causes you to do two things, focus on love and focus on mercy, Right, focusing in on love and focusing in on mercy—that that that, um, uh, th- that type of love that causes you to look beyond yourself, right? Uh, that type of mercy that refrains you from uh, doing or giving people the punishment that they probably do deserve. You know, I think that um, uh, it was described uh, as magnanimity. You know, being able to. Being having this state of you having this 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 component about oneself to be able to forgive to be able to accept to be able to, uh, uh, you know, move forward regardless of the way people have treated you in the past or whatever the case may be. So, I think when we look at this these components of the life of Jesus Christ, and we look at it from the Ignatius pedagogy, right from that standpoint. By putting ourselves in the situation and gaining uh, what Max Weber called Verstehen, right? This 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 German word Verstehen simply means understanding. Like putting yourself in the situation and having this understanding, you know, these are components that we should embrace as we're moving through this season uh, of some may call it Easter. Like I said, some may call it the resurrection period. As we go through this period, and then we are also able to apply these lessons to the greater community around our life. So, again, thank you so much for joining me in this this period of this Protestant uh, ethic. I like I said, I really have enjoyed everything thus far, and I think that right now, I think that right now, this is the time, uh, and this is the 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 opportunity to allow. You know the 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 lessons that we are learning uh, to uh, impact the lives of other people that are around us. So, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for joining me uh, today. You know, again, I'm excited about what we're doing and what we're experiencing, and I certainly want everyone to continue to chime in from time to time. You know, as we are uh, experiencing everything that we're going through at this point. You know, I'm looking at even with the uh, I'm looking at even with the uh, the coronavirus that after after we're able to, uh, you know, find a way back to some normalcy that we can really embrace uh, each other in ways that we used to in the past. So have a good day. Have a great rest of the weekend and hope to hear back from you soon. Please let me know what you think about this podcast. Give me your Uh, your ideas, give me your thoughts. Uh, Definitely show me how this has resonated with you in some way, shape, size, or form. And I look to hear back from you. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Talk to you later. See you.